Welcome to Travel Market Life, your companion for industry insights and professional business development. Travel Market Life. Join us by webcast, video or podcast. Welcome to Travel Market Life. I'm your host, Ryan Haynes, where we explore different aspects of the travel industry. In today's show, we're going to be speaking to a podcaster for his love of food and travel. Chris, the host of the Nomadic Foodist Show. For more of our shows, check out travelmarket.life, where you'll see some of the other interviews with other podcasters, as well as industry leaders across the sectors of travel, tourism, and hospitality. But first, uh, for a love of food and travel, Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited. No, no problem at all. I mean, it was great to find uh, someone uh, looking out uh, at those podcasters, uh, looking into travel and came across yours. And I understand this is quite a quite a new invention for yourself, um, looking at food and travel. Um, where did the idea come from and, and why were you so passionate about doing a series uh, based on uh, food? Well, I love food and travel. So um, the Nomadic Foodist show is all about me interviewing other guests or talking about my own personal experiences traveling. And I've been to over 20 countries and I live in the United States. So I've been to almost all of the uh, 50 states here. And as I've traveled, I've realized, man, food is like the one thing that connects all people together. And there's so much rich culture and history and everyone has some sort of food story that they want to tell. And these memories of food and travel uh, resonate with us for years and years and years and can become like the main highlight of our life experiences. So I want to talk about those and I consider myself a foodist. And if you look up the word foodist on the internet, I'm sure you'll get a lot of different definitions. But for me, it's someone who loves food, has a huge passion for it, and will go great lengths to find the very best that food has to offer. And so with me traveling around the world and in search of all these delicious uh, bites that, uh, that the world has to offer, I love to share those stories and and really help people with their planning if they're doing a vacation or holiday somewhere so they can eat those amazing things too. These are this for like the curious eaters and the adventurous travelers and even the beginners who are kind of dipping their toe in the water trying to figure out what this whole foodist thing is all about. Yeah, I mean, I remember a particular trip I made with my family to Greece. And all I remember about that trip is a kebab that we picked up off the street. Oh, yeah. And it was one of the most amazing kebabs. And then the last time I went to, to Greece, ended up in Athens and managed to find a kebab almost similar. And we were there for three days. And I went to the same kebab shop every single day just to make <laughs> sure I got my fill of that oh, particular yeah. kebab. Um, and uh, so, I mean, where has been the most interesting place for you when it's come to food and cuisine i that's a tough one it i really like tbilisi georgia georgia the country because it is an, kind of like an unknown uh travel spot that most people will overlook you know it's technically part of asia and uh it's on the uh, western side and on the border of a lot of the western or excuse me the eastern european countries there so you kind of overlook it, but when you go, the people are just super nice, amazingly hospitable, 
and the food is killer. I mean, things you've never tried before, you've never seen before, lots of bread, butter, cheese, meat, <laughs> those sort of things that aren't very healthy for you, but very, very <laughs> delicious. And they have a, an amazing wine culture. In fact, has one of the oldest recorded uh, wine uh, cultures in the history of the entire world. So it's pretty cool that they have this unique wine, I guess, uh, thing going on that if you love wine, it's just something you've never tried. You never see Georgian wine on a menu. So I think like Tbilisi was just a fantastic place, very inexpensive. And it's a place I think I could actually like live one day. That's how much I liked it. So give me a few of your tips then. Uh, as a foodie, uh, how do you find the best places to eat? I mean, what sort of research are you doing before you go away? Uh, because, I mean, you know, I've had some horror moments, right? Where <laughs> yeah, we all have, you're walking yeah. down the street, you're trying to find a restaurant, and you're like, is anywhere open? Um, or you've got a particular taste in your mouth and you, you just don't know how to fulfill it. So how, how do you go about planning uh, what and where you're going to eat? and how what you're going to try <laughs> well i i'm a planner so i also do a little bit of spontaneity but the first thing i do is figure out what regional specific foods are going to be in the city that i'm traveling in so i'll go to google and let's say you're traveling to hanoi vietnam you put in google uh what foods um, is Hanoi Vietnam known for, or what are the regionally specific foods for Hanoi? And then a whole bunch of websites will pop up. And I like sticking to bloggers such as like myself. I have a few articles and stuff of my travels on my website. And a lot of bloggers will put up there all the things that they've eaten and the places that they went to or podcasts like, like my show. We talk about those sort of things too where my guests will give specific restaurants and dishes that they try um, of these places where they've lived or traveled to that they're, we're talking about for the day. But figure out first what food you want to eat um, in that in that area. So let's say if you're going to Hanoi, Vietnam, you want to try pho, beef pho specifically. And then you Google uh, the best beef pho in Hanoi, Vietnam. So then you can go through the list. And the key thing is finding out where uh, it says the name of this one place multiple times. If if multiple bloggers are talking about one place, then you know it's going to be good. And so once you kind of have a few lists of different foods and different places that you want to go, um, it's really important to also eat during the peak times. And it's not very fun because generally there might be like a line or a queue to get this sort of food or get into the restaurant. But you know the food's going to be fresh and it's going to be hot and it's not going to be like sitting around all day in that sort of situation. Um, I must say that's what I tend to do. I mean, yeah. I don't tend to book anywhere. I just tend to go for anywhere <laughs> where it's got the longest queue or the busiest yep. restaurant because I can guarantee yep. to be known that obviously, especially if you've got the locals going now, you oh, can yeah. figure out that that's it's a local. Thing, yeah. Yeah, because if locals are going, and so I have a, a saying that if if locals are going, you should be going, and because they know where the good food is, and you want to try as a foodist or a person who just loves food, you want to try the things that locals really enjoy, because there's a lot of tourist food that isn't very good, and is kind of geared towards the tourist palate, not what's you know regionally known for in the area that you're traveling. So you don't want to miss out on that. So for sure, find find the line. <clears throat> 
and you won't be disappointed. And I've, I remember a couple of times, like even in Japan, I remember enormous line. We were in this food mall, my wife and I, and I had no idea what it was. So we just stood in line for about 10 minutes. As we got closer, I said, hey, stand here. I'm going to see what it is. And it was like this little strawberry kind of like dessert in a, like a cone or something. And it was amazing. <laughs> you know, we stood in line for like an hour for it. And we didn't know what it was exactly. But, you know, it's going to be good. And it's something that's part of the adventure, too. And if you don't have anything planned. It's okay to still kind of try a few of those things. Just kind of stay away from the main tourist like hotspot areas and you should be fine. I was going to say, can you tell us any horror stories around food <clears throat> when you've been traveling and um, what would you have done differently? Okay, so it's always kind of tough because I don't want to talk bad about places. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, man. So when it comes to one where it's like a horror story... I've been to a lot of different places. If you go to wherever a main tourist site or attraction is mm-hmm. and you, you know, want to eat something, you're hungry, you go there hungry, you're around that area. Um, it's tough to avoid bad food. In my opinion, uh, my wife and I were in Istanbul and there is something called the Galata tower, which is a main tourist site. And we've eaten a lot of great kebab in Istanbul up to this point, but you know, you're kind of going and you know, you're hungry. You're like, Oh man, I just need something. So you go to a, to a donor kebab, they shave some off. It was really expensive. Uh, it was like three times the price of what you would normally find elsewhere in the city. And then just bite into it. It's just, it, nothing bad happened. No, no weird I guess uh, digestive issues. It just wasn't very good. It's like so disappointing. It's like it broke my heart a little bit because uh, I had so much great kebab in the area and I didn't follow my own advice. I was just super hungry. I'm like, oh man, I just spent like three times what I would pay at this really good place across town. But you know, that's how it goes sometimes. And it's good too to give it a try. You never know. Some place might surprise you and some places uh, are disappointments like that one, which, which happens. I must say, for me, uh, the most disappointing times is always when I'm traveling, when I'm moving between places, and suddenly my stomach starts to rumble, and I'm at the airport, I'm or at a train station, and you're looking around at the options available to you, <laughs> yeah. and your heart sinks, and you, all you think is, I just need something to fill my stomach. And at this point, right, let's just try to keep it as cheap as possible because I know whatever I'm going to get, it's going to be bad. But you you end up end you end up buying what seems to be um, the driest, crummiest food that's been sat there (laughs) for the longest possible amount of time, and then then you end up making it to a restaurant and you're looking going. I I don't know whether I can even enjoy this food after the last bite I just had. Oh man. Yeah, it's but that's part of the fun too. Like sometimes you have those weird things that kind of happen and or you try something that's really, really bad. Like the worst thing I've ever eaten was this fermented squid dish at a really nice sushi restaurant in Japan. And it was absolutely dreadful. Like I could not swallow it. It was so bad, you know? But hey, it happens, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I one thing I always try to do as well when I'm, when I'm away, and one of my self, uh, saviors, uh, funnily enough, has been fast food restaurants um, and uh, tasting the different KFCs around the world. Have you done oh, that? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's it's amazing, isn't it? People don't it's know. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, when I went to India, I thought, oh, my God, this is better KFC than I've ever had in my entire life. They know how to make spicy wings that are spicy. Yeah, that are actually, oh, man. Yeah. Like for me, my wife, we love McDonald's a lot, too. So like KFC, McDonald's and Subway are like the three that have huge chains all around the world. 
and it's crazy that, yeah they try the different specialties that they all have mm-hmm. it, and it, yeah I'm, I'm i love fast food so i'm not like a food snob like i'm an equal opportunist here so if it's good <laughs> it's good and i'm gonna enjoy it so um tell us uh, how do you source your guests so where do they come from are they friends are they colleagues are they distant relatives um or have you sourced these uh, d- these nomadic travelers I've sourced them out. You know, there are a lot of different ways that um, I try to get in contact. So a lot of times it's bloggers or other people who have traveled a lot and are willing to share their information. So um, I had a recently on my show, Chris Christensen, who is a uh, podcaster and blogger who's been doing it for like 15 years. And he has the podcast amateur traveler and he was gracious enough to call my show, you know, in the beginning here and, it was great to just talk to him about so many different travel experiences that he has. I mean, this guy has story after story after story. And just like, man, one day I want to be like that and just have all these amazing stories of all the, the travel things that, that, uh, that I've done. Like he's uh, like, like on my podcast, he talks about being a uh, paparazzi for the Pope for a day, like doing like rafting trips and like going to all the different places. And uh, he just, he was going to be going to the Galapagos and like all this cool stuff. And it's nice to kind of have someone who's a blogger and traveler do that. So going on all these websites and just emailing and like talking and creating conversations with uh, these people is, is the best way. And, and that's how you make some friends too. And other people who are also foodists to kind of create this community of all of us who love to, travel and to eat i was going to say it's about creating that little community around you of, of, of where you all have the same interest and uh, shared passions um but i mean what have you been able to do over the last year um have you remained stateside and uh, if so have you been uh, touring the states to delve into the different foods or have you just been getting uh, deliveries made from the different states uh, <laughs> how have you gone about doing it well, um, it's tough because just itching to travel is one of those things for me. I've just got bit with the travel bug. There's no cure. I just want to keep going. But last year, uh, my wife and I, we did actually did travel in, let me think, August through November. Uh, we actually went to um, Turkey. We went to uh, Albania. And we also went to Croatia. And we did some slow traveling through there and stayed like a, like a month or a month and a half in each uh, country. And then I also did some traveling across America too, just doing some road trips. Um, it's nice that all the states are kind of connected. So I can go from state to state and city to city kind of freely. But, you know, you got to be kind of smart about it, you know. And so I did a few things a little differently than I normally do when it comes to traveling just to make sure that, you know, we didn't get the coronavirus and that we were safe. That's interesting that you managed to get away before the big lockdown happened and again, again, really across much yeah. of the world at the end of last year. Um, I myself managed to get a couple of months out as well whilst I knew I could. And um, and it almost the, the longer you spend in somewhere as well, the more you sort of discover some of the more subtle varieties of, of food as well, yeah. don't you? Uh, yeah. What, what's the longest place you've stayed in a particular place? So let me think here. I think it was almost a month and a half or almost two months in Hanoi, um, in Vietnam itself. So we spent wow. a few weeks in Hanoi and a few weeks in Hoi An before we moved on to the next country. And that was like a couple of years ago. Yeah. They have incredible food in Vietnam. Oh, oh, I, yeah. I went there twice and, you know, every restaurant you go to is just how fresh it is. And I actually spent time, I spent two days doing a Vietnamese cooking course whilst I was there. 
and it was it was so insightful especially like there's so many similarities in many ways with chinese food but it's a lot less um sweet i found a lot less yeah, salty yeah. and a lot less um deep fried um so <laughs> yeah. it, it, it felt much healthier and and and, and really exciting it really made the, the tongue and the palate sort of like like spring into action yeah the, the food there in vietnam you have such such great flavors that you are used to but you're not accustomed to always eating yeah and just mm. like you said it's, it feels super healthy like beef fuzz is a little bit different over there you know than in hanoi in, in the northern part of the country than it is at the southern part and you know even just like the regionally different places if you travel throughout the country well just like most countries the same kind of dish can change but man like i felt great like my my stomach my gi track like i was like the healthiest i'd been in a long time like just eating through vietnam it was so good it's it, it is it is i mean i can't wait to go back and and uh, i mean it's not the same when you go to a vietnamese restaurant in your own country no. by any means uh obviously they can't even source the right right types yeah. of food it's not as ripe <laughs> so by, by any means but um yeah j just going local just being able to explore those i mean i i remember my first few days in vietnam i i got a scooter bike tour uh, so on the back of a scooter bike and, and we were sort of going around and the guy says, you know, do you want to, do you want some food? And I thought, yeah, okay, let's, let's give it a go. And he took me to this place and, you know, had a little snack and had the best coffee. Um, and oh, Vietnamese yeah. coffee is so different to anywhere else so as well. Good. <laughs> uh, and I actually came back and I bought about, I think, three kilos of coffee back with me. I knew I could get condensed milk over here. Um, and for and, and for next few months, so all I was having was this Vietnamese coffee. Um, although you know, a lot of my friends found it way too strong and way too street sweet because they, <laughs> because it really really caramelized their coffee. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's great. And it, just coffee. If you think about coffee all around the world and how different like it really is, and Vietnamese they they do it good. I I love the their version with the you know condensed milk in there because yeah, the coffee is super strong. You mm -hmm. know, it, it's just it's so bold it has a lot of flavor in it that you need that sweetened condensed milk in there kind of mellows it out a little bit um for me i think it's amazing like yeah no no issues here with with the coffee yeah it was also the way they brewed it as well where you've sort of got this sort of like brewing device that sits on top of the mug and you pour the water in and it sort of like sinks away through yep. and i i found that fascinating it was just a a, a full-on experience i was having there you know of, of processing and making my own coffee in, in many ways uh to, to get the right flavor or the, the right strength with avoiding all the granules in there and yeah it was it was, it was lovely vietnam, vietnam highly recommend as well as for the shopping i must say <laughs> because <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they, they hand stitched some incredible uh incredible items out there yeah, and just with the coffee thing, it's so great that you actually brought some coffee back with you and how traveling to this one place really changed your output uh, or understanding of of coffee. And that's what I love about food, and I think it's so exciting, is that you can go somewhere and eat something and you didn't know something could taste a certain way or that they would brew their coffee or make something in that sort of style. And then it just 
it just changes you and like it can be a good thing but also it can be like a haunting thing because then you just can't find it anywhere else and then you're like man i gotta go back i gotta have some more of that coffee i got some more of that pho it's gonna be amazing and you just can't find it quite the same anywhere else outside of where you had it and that's the fun part and 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 that's what that's what travels for making those memories isn't it and and then holding them close and dear to your heart and perhaps even your tongue uh when best you can reminisce on those moments um chris thank you ever so much uh for joining me today um it's been fantastic to hear about your podcast the nomadic uh, foodist and uh, i guess we can find that on all the main podcasting channels yeah, just about everything. So yeah, the Nomadic Foodist show. And you can also go to my website, nomadicfoodist.com as well. And that's where you do a lot of blogging as well. Yep, yep. And I have a lot of pictures. I have my Instagram on there and everything. So if you want to see some of the travels and some of the pictures and things that I've done, uh, that's a great resource to go to. Excellent. Well, thank you very much indeed for joining me, Chris. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, so that was Chris from the Nomadic Foodist uh, podcast. Check that out on all the podcast channels. So you can also head over to our website, travelmarket.life, to check out some of the other interviews I've had with other podcasters and uh, for the full set of series that we have been working on over the last year or so. So I'm Ryan Haynes. You've been listening to Travel Market Life. Speak to you soon. Ciao for now. For more, go to Travel Market Life. The music sensation by Zach Nelson is reproduced under license from Storyblocks. Travel Market Life is a Haynes Marcoms digital marketing agency production serving the travel and technology industries.